it's like, you know, everybody talks about we have to have a alternate economy, but then nobody wants to actually charge each other for stuff or they feel weird when you do charge them or, you know, it's like, did we break down with the value? I mean, you just normally with the neighbor there had a conversation that immediately went yeah. to relative value. I don't know. It's hard to decide what's more of the problem. Do more people want something for nothing or do more people want to give you like stuff? Do more people want to do the gift economy? Welcome to Thriving the Future podcast, where we're finding positive solutions to thrive in the tough times ahead. Before we get to the episode, I want to tell you about GrownNutTrees.com. So I forage local chestnuts here in Northeast Kansas. I sell them as untreated seeds that can be planted so you could grow out your own trees. And I still have one-year seedlings, which are 10 to 18 inches tall. So it's really hard to find chestnuts that'll grow in the Midwest because most of them are grown in either the Southeast, the Northeast, or even worse, the Pacific Northwest. And those just don't do well in Kansas. So these are adapted to the Midwest. Also, elderberry cuttings are coming soon. That's at GrowNutTrees.com. Kurt is back and we talk about updates to his homestead as well as how he's building local community. And we talk about how to recession-proof your job with an entrepreneurial mindset. So what, Kurt, what new stuff do you have going on at your place since the uh, last time we talked? Yeah, so since the last time we talked, I got, <clears throat> I got some rabbits. I got two does from a lady that is up the street. I think I actually ended up buying the ones that my neighbor gave back to her after I already asked her to I would keep them and then I would take them whenever she got tired of them or whatever then I found a guy at the feed store he was getting rabbit feed and I was like what are you doing with that and he's like I got a bunch of rabbits so I I'm in the market for a buck if you want really I ended up connecting with him and he's got about seven acres real close to me too and he's built these little tractors his own design with like pallets and just the two before welded wire and there his setup is really nice but i tried to do my own version and i do not like bending over that much to deal with them so i'm in the process of moving that to a more stationary setup where i can just harvest their turds for gardening and stuff just moving the sheep i guess i don't know if i had a ram but i got a ram from greg judy greg judy's in columbia missouri really Mm -hmm. yeah it's a nice little day trip and then I uh, got to meet him and his wife and Isaac from the, the YouTubes. Hmm. And cool. yeah, I got the ram separated out in like 16 foot by 16 foot cattle panels. Sure. And then Premier One sells a little wire hinge. And then I put drain tile along the bottom of it so I can just drag it super easily. Mm-hmm. So he's in with the sheep, but he can't breed with them because until December, I'm not going to let him do that. Because they have five-month gestation period, and then they'll be able to lamb just on the ground in May, as right. opposed to having to bring them into the barn. Since I'm not, I have no animals in the barn anymore. You don't want to drop lambs in the springtime or in the middle of the winter, right? right. Yeah. And uh, let's see, my guard dog. She's almost seventy pounds now, so she's yeah. getting beefy living out there with them full time. She's out there with the sheep and them full time now. Mm-hmm. Cool. They're cuddling up in the cold nights, I'm sure. Wow. Um, and they're cool with that. Yeah, they're all cool now. So are you breeding rabbits now? Or you're looking to breed rabbits? So yeah, I think my buck needs... So hopefully next month they'll I'll put him in again and just see if he'll figure it out for himself. Because yeah. otherwise I don't know what to do. But Yep. 
Um, yeah, my daughter bred rabbits, and then Perpin and I went over and, you know, processed them a couple times. They're not as easy as chickens. <laughs> Once I get them up off the ground, they'll be pretty low maintenance. Mm -hmm. I just feed them random stuff from around the property. I mean, I give them pellets too, but like hay and just like I go cut random ragweed or whatever yeah. and put it in there with them and they like it and they need something to chew on anyway. So Tomatoes were just growing great with rabbit pellets last mm -hmm. year and uh, just dumped them into that ring, that tomato ring I had made out of uh, you know cattle panels. Okay. And then the tomatoes grow up along the outside of the ring and then I just dumped rabbit manure in the middle of it and man it, they just took off. Yeah, Charlie and Mike's farm up north of KC, I think, mm -hmm. they don't live there full time, but they had bought a place where there was a gardener that, I guess, died or whatever, but that's what she just uses them all for, is putting all the, the rabbit manure in there, so they, she wants to use, do something with the pelts eventually, but I just, the dog eats the whole thing like the fur yeah. brush is like a toothbrush for a dog i guess so <laughs> yeah um exactly especially a big dog like that right let's see what else uh all my baby chicks that were that i didn't sell they started producing eggs so i got brown white and blue green eggs now really oh mm -hmm. wow you got the easter eggs that's yeah. cool i was trying to have a butcher class for the meat birds to have like four or five people come out and I would just show them how to do it. Sure. From Excelsior. I had so much interest and then when I actually like planned the date and I said, okay, I need a $5 deposit for whatever. So I'm just not standing there, you know, by myself one morning and then end up doing it. It seemed like nobody had interest once I asked for money. But then I figured out on Facebook, they like put your messages from people that you're not friends with in a different folder. Oh. So like the day after I decided to cancel it, I looked in there and I had 30 messages and uh -oh. I was like, oh, I guess I got to try have one next month because I made that mistake. So, yeah, but I figured I was just make enough money to pay for deep fryer for turkeys and sure. just use that for the, uh, mm -hmm. when you scald them before you pull up the feathers, but right. Yeah. Yardbird and we bought as a group, the power plucker. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a clothes dryer on its side. You're going to do meat birds or you're going to do a turkey? do the meat birds that I have because I have like 20 of them in that I don't know if you saw the trampoline thing that I had going mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that's actually been working out super good wow and um, it didn't get caught by the wind and carried away before I had put them in there and I just had the tarp on it like I did it, it did once but what I did was those things you put you screw in the ground for your dog to be able to run in a circle yeah sure I just have one of those on either side and then I wrap the uh, oh, that's a good idea. The thing around the middle, and that just keeps it staked when it gets pretty windy. If yeah. The... And then you've been uh, going over to Jeff the Donkey Guy. He's Jeff and Donkeys on Twitter. I went over there to got a tour of his place on on the donkeys, and then uh, he had a bunch of apple trees that were overbearing. So I was like, I got to come pick those before your tree breaks. And I guess I came oh, back a week too late and two or three branches on like six of his trees he had six trees or so right two of them had already broken off but he's getting up there so he doesn't really want to work a chainsaw so i'm gonna go over there and finish the cutting those off and maybe put some wax on them or something cool just uh made him a pie made the neighbors a pie i guess i got a four-wheeler too one of my neighbors gave me one for 
a pretty good price and really? got it all fixed. It's really old. It's like 87 Honda, but yeah. And they put a ton of work into getting it back up and running, but when I said I I wanted I was looking for one, they were like, "Oh, we got one in the barn that we haven't ran in <laughs> decade or so." So, that's funny. That's fun to I can get uh, around the back part of the property now too, so that's like really clutch. Yeah, you've been building community over there and everything. Yeah, the neighbor lets us she wants us to ride her horses, but they haven't been ridden in so long that right. we're not comfortable with that yet. So we've just been going over there from time to time. and I guess it's a bridle, putting the thing on so we can just walk them to our property. Sure. And then she has no no acreage at all. So her property is just like a dry lot. And so they come over. We just okay. walk them over to our property and then they eat a bunch of grass and hang out oh, with yeah, us for mm-hmm. a little bit. So they get used to us more because one of them, when I was riding them around in her property you tried to like walk into the barn with me and i was like i'm taller than you now <laughs> we're gonna decapitate me if you keep going trying to go in there so yeah we're just trying to get them used to having people on them again and yeah i've uh riding my wife's horses one of them ran me into a tree branch and <laughs> clotheslined me off pretty well the neighbor next door to me he he's a big hunter so once he gets a deer i'm sure he'll end up throwing us some meat or something but he's going to help me out whenever i end up butchering a lamb next year because yep. yeah just as... let him know that uh if he loses the deer to give you a call and you'll come and help him pull it out of the woods i've been able to get quite a bit of deer by doing that and i don't have to have a tag i mean i have tags but you know yeah like my friend will call me up and say hey i lost this deer and i don't know where it's at can you come help me find it and then we'll blood trail it, and then it's way back in there, and we'll, and then I help him pull it out, and then uh, he'll give it to me, and then I process it. Yeah. Whenever I went over to Jeff's to take all those apples, just because the tree was overbearing, like, I was literally just taking the ones where it's like, oh, there's three in a row, like, right. on this one, I'm just going to take them. I filled up, like, the bed of my truck, like, uh, six inches high, and then wow. I just took, like... The very, very best ones made pies with those. Uh-huh. Like it took another bunch, just threw them straight in the compost, took a bunch and just threw them all over the property and like big bunches. And now right. I like know where the deer kind of hang out. So yeah. Um, yeah, they like last night we pulled up and there's a bucket of them sitting in, next to the driveway and there's a deer just like eating on it in right. the nighttime. So I was like, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I got a buck uh, a week ago nice yeah my friends uh give me a hard time we had that deer hunting episode a couple of weeks ago my friend dave's like you shot a too small buck this early in the season you're gonna be sorry later because in kansas you only have one buck tag oh okay so it's like yeah you're gonna see the monster buck later in the season and you're gonna be sorry i think tomorrow i'm going to get some raspberries i just posted on next door people need their berry patches thinned out and really yeah a couple ladies are having me come help them with that and then you're gonna dig up some of their plants and then replant them uh-huh yeah just make sure you don't get the ones that are all thorny i i got some that took off back there they're too thorny the master gardeners all those i just joined that mostly because i was like there's a bunch of old ladies with a bunch of gardening knowledge that i don't have they love me because i do all the heavy lifting for them at, at events we take care of the Watkins mill garden yeah. So they came over to my barn and we had a big potluck and show and tell. So they brought a projector and a projector screen and we ate and they showed their, their home gardens off and that was pretty good. How to have an event 
before I have like real events, you know, like a practice run. So, oh, I need to get a lectern so nobody has to like bend over while they're using a computer. Random other stuff that I was like, oh, I didn't think having this much people would and would need this thing or whatever. So I took some notes about that for things that I want to have next year. But yeah, that, that's a good point. But yeah, my barn went pretty perfect for that. And then now we're just getting, putting the garden to sleep, the usual fall stuff for the homestead. But that guy who I end up getting that buck from, uh-huh. we got those shirts from Jack, the capture composting shirts. Yeah. So I already got community center in Excelsior to give us their food scraps from the little cafe they have in there. But we're, there's a new Mexican restaurant going in there. And they already have a location in another city, and so we're going to call them and see if they will do it and just go talk to him with those shirts on and see, because he wants to do that. I'm trying to work with him because he's interested in pigs and raising pigs, and I am, like, in the future, but not now. Uh So I'm hoping that I can convince him to do that, and then You should be able to get some of Jeff the Donkey Guide's donkey poop. We use the horse manure. You have to compost a little bit longer. It has a bad habit of having pokeweed grow out of it, yeah. Mm. And uh, horse nettle is a problem in some of the places where we spread it. But yeah, I use horse manure a lot. You just have to let it compost for a long time. Well, we're mostly interested because he has chickens too, and he had a, he has a beehive, but I guess they swarmed and flew away. But right. we're mostly interested in doing it for like feeding the chickens. Yeah. The way uh, his name Sean, the edible acres guy up in Ithaca, does it. I guess Billy Bond does it too, but. So yeah, he and I are hoping to do that. I got my NRCS application. I have it in their inbox. I think I have to just fill out one more form for them. Uh-huh. But another thing I'm about to apply for is like a SARE grant, which is like ag, USDA teaching sustainable or regenerative agriculture practices. So right. I don't know exactly what I'm going to put in my application because I just have like such a broad set of interests but they're mostly just focused on like getting youth to like learn these things uh-huh. and my girlfriend's really passionate about teaching too so if i can if we can like somehow yeah you know cool. cross those two worlds then people out to see see the farm that's sort of like make you know customers building more community yeah so one of the things we were talking about on telegram was how to recession proof your job and you took it in a different direction which i thought was interesting i wanted to talk a little bit more about was not thinking about the usual stuff of, well, you need to learn some skills and you need you need to get the certification and you need to uh, update your LinkedIn profile and stupid things like that. You were talking about, no, you need, you need to change your mindset. Yeah. This is sort of one of my main impetuses for doing the whole homesteading and farming thing. Right. As a software developer, that's a pretty abstract job. And if things continue going the way they're going then yeah, I'll be fine with having work to do software development, but I don't necessarily see how things can continue being the way that they are with just the way that, that the economic system is set up right now. It seems like it needs to go through ra- like rather big changes. And yeah. whenever that happens, there's going to be some sort of a period between old system and new system where we have to like go through this chrysalis phase and what it figured out. So for me, recession-proofing my job was just thinking about like, okay, well, what are the basic skills that like people need? And it was like shelter. Okay, I'm definitely not a carpenter. I definitely am not like super skilled at plumbing or any of those types of electrical right. work. I didn't really have any too much interest in those. Uh-huh. But like trying to build a farm business to me was supplemental 
like leveraging the money that I make from my current job now to build a business that one day could help me in the sense of a recession because everyone always needs food. Right. Everyone always needs, you're going to need eggs and chickens and cows and like forever and always because yeah. people have to eat. And I mean, until we eat the bugs, you know, that, until we eat the bugs. <laughs> that stuff is going to be uh, needed. <laughs> I do spend a lot of time growing my current skill set, my career. Like I just got a new certification just last week. But I think it's important if you're looking to do that, to find something that is, it's interesting to you and you're willing to like put in lots of hours to learn it. Mm -hmm. So like for me, I like pre-COVID was studying this regenerative ag stuff. Actually the way I remember now how I got into it was like our family hunting property. There's like no greenery on it basically during deer season so sure. the deer are not going to be on our property i wanted to learn about cover crops and mm -hmm. planting all that stuff and then the youtube's algorithm just slowly waned me over and i started finding permaculture stuff and was like oh man there's so much here so like right. learning about that but even if you don't want to be a farmer you can do stuff that other people will always need and like handyman skills is something my community lack i have been trying to find someone just to come out and give me a quote to build me a gate on my driveway uh -huh. for a month and I cannot get a quote because all the people that are handymans are either too busy or too lazy to come do it. And right, right. I would normally just build it myself, but there's just so much rock. I'm not going to rent an auger and then break it and sure. end up paying more money. So What's the biggest hurdles that you see or challenges? Yeah, there's definitely a period where you have, like, no or negative income because, like, yeah. I don't know, a lot of people are, like, against people going to college and stuff, but I think that's, like, a good metaphor or a good way of thinking about how everything works. Like, you definitely have to put in time where you don't know what you're doing. Right. And you're either going to, like, have to do it learning on your own projects because nobody's going to pay Oh, I've never built anything before, but yeah, I'll come build your deck for you. Like, Correct. No one's going to pay you for that. So like, mm -hmm. you got to work up a portfolio of things where that's probably going to be a money sink, but that's you got to count that as like investment. One guy I used to know, he's a banker actually, and he bought a house that was kind of a fixer-upper, and he was like, I had to redo the trim in the whole house, and he's like, I had to buy this machine and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, dang. He's like, yeah, I probably end up spending more, but now I know how to do trim, and like I can do that. Mm -hmm. So it's like a new skill that yeah. I wanted to invest in myself to learn, and now I can like do more things. Um, so one of the challenges that I see is that the whole a lot of homesteaders don't value money, right? Or they, or there's the friend and acquaintance barrier, right? So it's like people think that, hey, I'm your friend, right? So this is free. <laughs> we have several people that we know that if they come and help me out, if I were to offer them money, they're offended. And uh, it's like Jules, when we were talking way back in episode 45 about, he makes sure that he lets people know up front that I don't need more friends. And if I do this for you, it's going to cost this. And, but I'm having difficulty with that getting the balance there because hmm. it's like, hey, you know, I'm doing stuff for them. And then uh, at what point do you legitimately charge somebody for it? Or like you had some good ideas about you said it straight up. If I need a deposit, if you're going to come and uh, do the 
meat mm-hmm. birds, right? Yeah. Uh, so how do you approach that? I'm gonna probably go like a more a little more philosophical before I bring it back to like okay, practical. Okay. Yeah, but sorry. like just the proof of work thing, like with Bitcoin, is like it's important. And mm-hmm. um, if somebody is providing value, I think you owe them like on a metaphysical level something of equal value as well. Like right. even if. And, and if that relationship doesn't uh, maintain that balance over the long term, it will be, like, parasitic. Mm-hmm. And so um, if somebody can't realize that they're being, like, a parasite on the people around them because they're, like, take, 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 mm-hmm. um, they kind of just need to go away. Um, and I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. Like, some relationships have to end because... You can't be friends with everybody for forever. In a practical sense, I don't actually know how how to solve that problem. But like with my neighbor, like one day I walked over there because I had just gotten a new lawnmower and my tire was flat from my riding mower. And I was like, do you have something that can blow my tires up for me? And he's like, yeah, he came over and he just did it with this little handheld thing. He's like, I got an air compressor. If you want it, I'll give it to you for this much money. Mm-hmm. And same thing with the four-wheeler. It was like, he had a thing that I wanted, and what is a reasonable price for this? I'm like, I look it up on. Yeah, see, that's re- that's, yeah, that's reality. It's like, you know, everybody talks about we have to have a alternate economy, but then nobody wants to actually charge each other for stuff, or they feel weird when you do charge them, or, you know, it's like, did we break down with the value? I mean, you just normally with the neighbor there had a conversation that immediately went to relative value. I don't know. It's hard to decide what's more of the problem. Do more people want something for nothing or do more people want to give you like stuff? Do more people want to do the gift economy? And I don't really know because my, like having only lived here again since, you know, March, Mm -hmm. I don't have the biggest community built back up. But like, I do feel that with my, like my in-laws, I guess, they buy us stuff all the time. And I'm like, oh, it makes me feel so bad. Like you bought this nice kitchen table for us. Like sure, sure. we don't need this nice of a kitchen table, but they like want to do that for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I feel obliged then to, I don't know, give them other things that I kind of want to, like I would normally charge other people for. Um, like every time they come over, if they ask for eggs, they, I just give them to them. Yeah, even sure. Even though normal people, I, I charge, but I don't know, even like my family members, like some family members pay for like stuff from my farm. Some people I give it to, I don't really know if there's like a good way to like have a rule about that, but I do think right. you got to pay for stuff sometimes and you got to take gifts sometimes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, we've had several conversations along those lines about barter. Perpet and I did an episode a few episodes ago about barter and gift economy, and it kept going back to, hey, I want to be, I want to be in a community that's like family where I don't have to charge each other, and the whole idea around intentional community and stuff like that, where you don't you have to do that. <laughs> yeah, because I'm, and my point always was that, so that's not going to help me pay my house. When things go to crap, 
I think sort of like a big part of it, uh, I guess in the permaculture ethos talks about like um, giving like surplus back to the system. Yeah, exactly. And I think part of that system is you got to recognize like, okay, is it actually surplus if I have like five pounds extra, of, I just like give them away? Are you giving anything back to the system? I don't think that's surplus. Like if you sell that and then you can help pay for the things that help you make those elderberries, the ground that those elderberries grow in, right. you know, you got to get stuff for, and you got to like be able to walk out there. So you got to be able to eat and you got to be able to, I think people got to recognize what is a surplus and what is like, Oh, this is just sustaining itself. Yeah, sure. The house has to exist. I have to live in the house. So yeah, let's pay, let's pay some bills before we just go giving things away. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And people, I feel like people recognize that a lot if they're actually like tuned in. My wife and I have this conversation a lot because she's like, she can understand selling food. She can understand selling firewood. She can't understand selling a podcast. She mm -hmm. can't understand selling a, you know, some sort of thing like we were talking around, a, you know, some value add around a podcast, right? So... I mean, there's there's people that will edit podcasts for other people and take out the us and all that other stuff mm -hmm. and then charge them for it. And, you know, some of them then sublet that over on Fiverr. And then they're the middlemen. And then the Fiverr guys are the ones that are actually editing the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but she's still like, that's, that's not concrete enough. That's not real work. <laughs> I think a lot of the work in this world is not real work. I don't know what those industries look like whenever things change. Like, what does insurance look like in 40 years? What does people who trade stocks and bonds look like in 40 years? Like, they can't be, like, the mainstays of our economy in right. the future if we want to have a planet that could continue to live on and produce, like, abundantly for all of us. Thank you for listening to the Thrive in the Future podcast. If you like what you hear, click that subscribe or follow button in your favorite podcast app. Check us out at thriveinthefuture.com and also follow us on social media at Thrive in the Future on Twitter and at Thrive in the Future on Instagram. And come and join our Telegram community by going to signup.thrivingthefuture.com. There's entry form there. It will send you an email with the Telegram community link. We have a new affiliate, the Smith Homestead. They have handmade soap and candles, handcrafted items. Perpin and I like the alpaca wool caps, hand-knitted by Homestead Padre himself, and lots more. If you use Thriving as a coupon code at checkout, you get 10% off. That's the Smith Homestead. It's smith-homestead.com. We have a new tab on the Thrive in the Future podcast website, thriveinthefuture.com. It's called Value for Value. So if you found value in our content, then show that value for value. Go and shoot Thrive in the Future, a gift on that tab in either Venmo or Cash App. You make a difference. Thank you.